we, we started at the beginning of January a series. This is actually the last night, um, and um, we're going to wrap up recenter. So we went through looking at things that, that we kind of get off base with, right? I wanted to kind of approach the new year just a little bit different than I have in the past. And instead of talking about resolutions or goals, I wanted to talk about getting back to the center, the basics, right? Um, and, and not forgetting um, kind of like that, that first love, that first thought, that first excitement, um, and, and to, to move move ourselves back to the trenches because um, I mean, complacency, it, it's the enemy of progress, right? And what happens is we, we get complacent in our walk. We get complacent in our faith and, and we lose sight of what God's called us to do. Um, I love this passage. It's at Matthew 7, 13 through 14. We've shared it throughout this series. It says this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. Only a few will ever find it. Well, God's word reveals to us that as we're moving forward, there's only one path to success, right? It's a singular way um, and it's through Jesus, right? That, that's that gateway. But even as we come to him, there's a road that we follow. Um, there, there's a path, God's will laid out before us and it's very easy, it's very easy to become distracted. Um, if you're anything like me, which um, I probably have all the Ds after ADDDDDD, um, right? Um, sometimes I just forget what I'm, that, that I'm a man of God um, as I'm ripping into one of my kids and I'm so embarrassed or the way that I treat people in the office or, um, or any number of things. I could spend the next hour just telling you how I failed probably today if I'm being really transparent. And, and all of those things detract us and distract us from God's plan and purpose and will, right? And we wanna keep moving forward to success. That's what we're called to. Um, we don't wanna approach the things of God with this one and done type of mentality. Well, I raised my hand, I prayed the prayer, I went to church when I was eight, I'm good, I'm, I'm a good person. That's the wrong type of thinking, right? That's the wrong type of mentality. And in fact, it's that thought process that will lead us back into lapse and to relapse, that leads us back into broken relationships um, and, and just all sorts of destructive behavior. We have to remain focused. And the truth of the matter is for many of us in this room, especially those of us who suffer in substance abuse, unfortunately, our sin that can distract us is incredibly destructive incredibly destructive. It's not that it's any worse than what we all do, but it plays out in a much more damaging way in life. But all of us, all of us face similar struggles, right? And similar things in our life. And we have to remain focused because again, the highway to hell is broad, right? The highway to destruction, the highway to loss, the highway to missing it is broad. And the gate is wide for many who choose that way. It's easy. It's easy to make the wrong choice and the wrong decision. And that's actually something I missed early on in faith. I didn't realize that being a Jesus follower was gonna be so darn difficult, right? I didn't, I didn't understand how hard it would be. Um, as a man, I, I used to approach every situation with anger and violence till I got my way. You know what? That's actually much easier than humbling myself and asking for forgiveness from people around me. That's hard right? It was much easier for me to, to be sad, mad, angry, happy, or whatever it was, all the emotions, and go get high and drunk, right? Because that's just how you respond when you're a drug addict. It's much more difficult for me to actually process things and learn how to navigate them, right? And so the highway is broad, but the, the pathway to what God's called us to, it's narrow, 
It's narrow. So as we come to Jesus through the narrow gate, um, the gateway to life that we follow afterwards, it's very narrow. The road is difficult. Only if you ever find it. God's called us to walk something out that's different. I wrote this down. I wanted to share it with you. And it's just this thought, right? And, and I don't know about you. Sometimes I think back um, to, to those moments um, that, that it's high inside. It's so beautiful because today I can see where God was moving. And I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever looked back to that moment, that moment you realized there was more to the whole Jesus thing? And some of you are in here and you're like, well, it's all bullcrap, Aaron. I've never done that. There's gonna be a chance for you to, to do that, right? And when we come in, and, and I get, I was you one time. I was you and I didn't believe, but as we, as we approach this, there's these moments. And you don't wanna miss them and you don't wanna forget them. But have you ever looked back to them and realized, I mean, that was when, that was when I, I, I felt something significant. I thought it was bad pizza, but it was the Holy Spirit type of thing, right? Sometimes they're that subtle. Maybe it was a God thought. Maybe it was a miracle, something profound. But as you've gotten on the other side of something, you can identify it as God's sovereign hand on your life. But it's easy to lose sight of because life gets busy. It gets distracting. Things are difficult. There's bills to pay, there's promotions to seek, there's kids to raise, and, and we forget those things. You know, sometimes I forget crying for my wife before I knew her, right? Like my heart longing for God to present me with this miraculous woman who, who would just journey with me. In, in those moments of arguments, I lose sight of that. There's times where I face difficulty and I'm not running to the liquor store or to the trap house. And I'm so pissed off about the moment that I lose sight of the miracle that God's performed in my life where I no longer desire to do that. And we can get so distracted from these things that we can't lose sight. We have to go back to those moments because it is easy to forget. We forget the incredible ways God's moved and shown up. But as we move forward, the best way, in my opinion, to always be reminded, to always remember, is to share what God has done. To share what he's done and share what he's doing. It's important to share the truth so that others may encounter the same loving father that we have. And it's easy to get tired of your story. It's easy to get tired of your past and sharing those things. Trust me, do it all the time. And I'm like, I don't want to, God. And I'll encounter somebody, and I know I get the sense that God's saying, share, share about your sexual abuse. I'm like, I don't want to, God. I don't like that wound. I don't like that. But you know what it does? Every time I'm obedient, God moves. I, I get tired of, of talking about years of addiction, and, and I get tired of that, that part of my story because it's not me anymore. But I don't share it because it's me. I share it because of what he's done, and we have to be reminded of that. And it reminds us of how faithful God is, how good he is, and how he's moved through our lives in an effort not to elevate us, but to elevate him, to reveal his, his, good, his good work in our lives, his gentle embrace, his strong hand that's moved us to the place we are today. And so tonight, as we wrap up Recenter, I want to talk about sharing the truth the truth of the gospel, the truth of your story, because they're so intertwined. As we encounter the good news, God's moved in your story in a tremendous way. Um, 
I was talking to somebody the other day, and I won't reveal any information, but this person, um, somebody had asked them about their past in a way, and they were taken back by it. And I, I encouraged him on the other side, and, and I said, don't, don't be ashamed of that. Like, you stepped away from something that almost nobody does, right? And, and the enemy wants to tell us that all that stuff that God freed you from, shove it under the carpet, forget about it, hide it. But no, we bring it out into the light to glorify God and say, look what my father can do. So tonight as we start, we're gonna be in Matthew, Matthew 28, 18. This is uh, at the end of the book of Matthew. Matthew is the first of your book um, of the four gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell about the life and the ministry of Jesus. Um, at this point in, in the story, right, this historical account of Jesus's life, he has been, um, he's been crucified, he's been killed, he's been buried, he's been raised again. He's been seen alive by over 500 um, of his disciples and followers. And he's getting ready to move into what we call ascension, right? Leaving this place physically, our, our earth. Um, and, and as he's getting ready to do so, he, he gives charge to his disciples, to his followers. And, and though it was directly to them, it's one of those things that it's for all of us. And it's easy to lose sight of that. It wasn't just to this small group of people, this band of brothers to say, go and do this. No, it is God's message for everyone who would call upon his name that would call themselves a Jesus follower and disciple. And so here in Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And, and that took place because of what Jesus did right through crucifixion and death and resurrection as he you know, took back the keys uh, of death, right, and had victory over it. And then he says, therefore, say therefore, Therefore, therefore what? Therefore, because God is risen in the body of Jesus Christ, because he conquered death, the grave in sin, and because he's been given all of this authority, therefore, go and make disciples, say disciples, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we lose sight of that word disciple. And we think it's, you know, some Middle Eastern guy with sandals. You're like, I don't really want to roll around in a dress. But it's more than that. It's, it's disciplined follower. Discipline's a cringy word in our culture today because, you know, that's not free-flowing. That's not following my heart. Um, I mean, God forbid we'd be disciplined in anything. But Jesus is saying that. Go and make disciplined people who love me because of what I've done for them, because of what I've accomplished. Go and make disciples of who? Everybody. On this side of the tracks, on that side of the tracks, even in prior, right? I mean... Go to foil, and let's reach people in foil too, right? Um, and, and let's even leave the state and, and go and reach people for, for who? For God, not for us. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we lose part, sight of that second part because it requires relationship. Um, as I'm, I'm stirred up, the, the last year, out of all the people that I spend time in the church with that are not my, my family, um, it's been two men I've spent more time with than any others. And it, it's been Mike and it's been Adam. Um, I love them. They're my family, right? They're, 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 they're included in, in my, my inner circle. And I've, they've, they've loved me and I've loved them and, and I've endeavored to disciple them, right? And there are things that I've imparted on them that they wish that I would have just shut up and left alone, right? And I'm a broken person. And there's been times where the best lesson I gave them was what not to do when I had to go back and repent. Uh, what I love anymore is now, in situations, they're coming to me and being like, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> it's like, maybe there's a better way. Um, and that's happening more and more often, and I love it. But, but it's this being carried out. But it takes relationship. 
It's hard. It's so much more than getting somebody to pray a prayer and raise their hand and you give them a Bible and send them out the door. No, it's journeying with them. I see these men every week. I pray with them every week. I eat with them constantly, right? And I journey and I do life. And they're not the only two, but they're two of the closest. And it's carrying out this. And I do it for lots of reasons. I do it because I love them. I do it because they're my kind of people. They're my friends. Had we been in a different season, a different place, these are still two guys that I would journey with and be friends with because our personalities align. But you know why I do it most of all? Because Jesus said, therefore, because I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, because of what God's done in me, I cannot help but fight that urge, right? I I have to do it for somebody else. I've got to share it. We've got to find those people. And it's messy. It's exhausting. Sometimes I want to just reject Mike's phone calls and say, man, call Adam, you know, things like that, right? But, but it's this relationship as we journey with people. Why? Because God's commanded it. Because God's commanded it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a suggestion. It was, it was a directive from the man who was God in a body, who died, who was resurrected, who defeated death. And when somebody does that, I love it. When somebody predicts and pulls off their own death, burial, and resurrection, you should listen to them, especially when all they're telling you to do is go share the good news with them. It's not like he's saying, hey, go rub their feet and their back and give them all your money. No, it's just like be good to them. Share the good news. It says, teach these disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. And so why should we share the truth? We are commanded to share the good news because we're commanded. It's not a suggestion from God. As we come into recovery, and and again, hopefully every time you come in here, it is painfully obvious that I view this as a church service, that we're here to, man, to love God, to pursue Jesus, because I believe with everything in me, every fiber of my being, that that is the only way to recover. Addiction is another sin. Adultery is another sin. Gambling is another sin. And the answer is the same, whether it's on Monday or Sunday, it's a relationship with Jesus. So that's what we're doing here. And so as we look at our recovery, right, as God has freed you from something, you go and share the good news because that's what set you free, right? It wasn't AA, it wasn't NA, it wasn't drug court, it wasn't any of that, it wasn't me, right? It was a relationship with Jesus. And we do that because God commanded us to, right? We are commanded to share the good news. I love Romans, uh, Romans 10, 14 through 15. It's not up on the screen. If you've got the Version Bible app, you can look at it. This is written by the Apostle Paul. He says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Jesus already sent you. And if that wasn't enough, I'm sending you too, right? Go and tell people what God has done here, what God has done in you, right? What God is doing on the inside. And we go and share it so they know, so they hear, so they can find the same freedom that you have, right? That same deliverance so we can be in fellowship with each other and with the living God. We share the truth because we're commanded to share the good news. 
We are commanded to share the good news. I want you to do this. I want you to turn to Luke. It's in the Gospels too, right? It's Matthew, Mark, Luke. So third book of your New Testament. Um, And we're gonna begin to look at point number two. It says this, chapter four, verse 14. Again, version Bible apps, the easiest way to follow along with us. But it says, then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in synagogues and was praised by everyone. Anytime there's like more than three syllables, I just can't do it. I just struggle. Um, (laughs) I need like, sort of like a Bible for rednecks where they've taken every word and they've translated it to two syllables, right? Somebody get on that. Um, When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, He went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath to pray and stood up to read scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. And I love this. So this is like at the start of Jesus's ministry, right? Um, and it's one of the first things he does. And, and he goes to where he goes all the time. He's not going for attention or, or any of these things. It's just a part of what he does. I, I, I doubt anyone is surprised by his presence there, but, but it's, it's time, right? It's time for him to begin to reveal to people what he came to do. And he goes to the scroll of Isaiah. So if you don't know this, Jesus is referencing um, out of Isaiah that you see in your Old Testament. And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And so we share the truth because it's the truth that sets people free, right? This is what Jesus came to do. And as Jesus left, right, and when he ascended and he left his earthly place, he left his church, his ecclesia, what we're carrying on in our hands. He left us with a directive. And it wasn't to sit on our thumbs waiting for him to come back. It was to continue his mission and his ministry, right? It started with 11 because one of them killed themselves <laughs> and it went on and it went on and it went on. And here we are today. And I love to look at that 2000 years later in a different continent across an ocean in little old Claremore, Oklahoma, we're reading about the risen savior, Jesus Christ. And the fact that he came, right? He came to proclaim that captives will be released. The blind will see the oppressed will be set free that the time of the Lord's favor has come. What a beautiful message that we have the honor and privilege of carrying on, but some of us are too scared. We pull back, we're embarrassed when we should be shouting from the rooftops. Look at what my God has done. I used to be a junkie, I'm set free. I used to be an adulterer, I'm set free. I used to be stuck in addiction, I'm set free. I used to struggle to love people, but God, the God of love, who is love has filled me and allowed me to have meaningful relationships with people, to have a a beautiful relationship with my wife, to be father to my children. And I don't know what your story is, but you should be sharing with people. I don't care if you can't read a lick of scripture. I I don't care if you can't do more than one syllable, right? You can share your story. You can share what God's done. And we need to know that, that we share the truth because it's a truth that sets people free. It's not a story. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a fable, right? It's a historical account of the risen Savior, God in a body, and what he's done then and what he's doing now, right? He hasn't stopped. And we share it because it changes lives. 
right? This is a story-changing church because we serve a story-changing God, not because it's a seer point out front, but because we worship Jesus in here together. And we should wanna share that with people. We share the truth because it's a truth that sets people free. I love this, John 8, 34 through 36. Um, if you ever wonder where Live Free came from, um, I didn't just rip it off from other recovery ministries, I promise. Um, Jesus says this, he said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free, right? You're truly free. I don't care if somebody told you it's in your genetics, it's in your upbringing, your raising, that you're just gonna be that way, that this is just your story, that's bull crap. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed, right? And we share that with people because it's true. It's a part of what he's done. Why should we share the truth? Because it's a truth that sets people free. The truth that sets people free. I want us to do this. We're gonna turn to John. John chapter nine, we're gonna start in verse six. This is a little bit longer. I'm gonna try to get through it in an adequate amount of time. Um, and again, this is in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? The last of the four gospels in our New Testament. And it's an awesome story of a beautiful miracle that Jesus did. And, it's, and Jesus had encountered this blind man. Um, he had been blind from birth and he had, he'd lived his life, right? People, that's what people told him. This is your story. You're the blind beggar. And whether they said those words directly to him or not, that's what he walked away with right into um, adulthood. I'm blind. I can't see. These are the cards that I've been dealt. Nobody and nothing can change my circumstance. Sound familiar? Anybody ever bought into that kind of lie? I know I did for a long time. And so this is this man's story until, until encountering Jesus, right? Until he encountered the living God. And it says this, Jesus, it said, then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, spread the mud over the blind man's eyes, and he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Man, God performed a miracle, and I love that, right? And that's what happens when we encounter God, that no matter what our, our narrative was, what the story was, what anybody told us, doesn't matter. When you encounter Jesus, your stories change. 10 times out of 10, this is this man's story. And it goes on, it says, his neighbors and others who knew him as the blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? I love that when I encounter somebody. Man, aren't you Aaron that, man, used to get high at school? Like, like, they're surprised I'm not dead or in prison. And I know many of us, we have those kind of stories, right? Or maybe yours is like, you're married? Man, you were such a hoe bag back in high school, right? <laughs> you got a beautiful, beautiful husband, lots of kids. Some of my older people in the room are like, did he really just say that from the platform? It's Monday. I get just a little bit more, I get a little more grace on Monday than I get on Sunday, right? But God changes stories. God changes stories. And they look and say, what is, what is this? And he says this. Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, others said no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I'm the same one. They asked, Who healed you? What happened? I love these moments, they're my favorite. I'm, I'm from down the road, Katusa, and on occasion, I get, um, I get somebody from my past that comes here. I got Josh. I grew up with Josh up here. So he's a guy that's seen me, grew up in the same neighborhood, same type of broken situations. And I love sharing what God's done in our lives. And, then, and I know, like me, him, when we encounter people that we went to school with, it's like, how'd you get here? 
right? And we get to share this. So it's this opportunity to share the truth. And it says, he told them, the man they called Jesus, he made mud, spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see, man, what a, what a beautiful opportunity. But they didn't stop there. And I don't know about you, but I've encountered those. When I, when I made that leap, right, when I had that real encounter with Jesus, I had a lot of naysayers. I had a lot of doubters. I had people in my very own family that said, you haven't changed. You can't change. I mean, this isn't you, right, or this, that, and the other. And so um, he had to begin to explain this, and his neighbors began to ask what happened. They took him to see the Pharisees, like, listen, man, this dude, I don't know if you know, but it's the Sabbath. He, he's, he started seeing on the Sabbath, Right? They asked him about it. They even made accusations and saying, Jesus isn't from God. That's not real. He's not, he can't do that. He's not who you think he is. They even went so far as to call his parents in and said, who, is this your son? Who healed him? And their response was like, how do we ask him? Like, we're not getting in the middle of this. But then it picks it up and it says, so for the second time, they called the man in who had been blind and told him, go, God should get the glory for this. Because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner, right? They're still not getting it. They're still not seeing it. And I love the man's response. He says, I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied. But I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple too? And I love that because the man didn't know, right? He wasn't quoting the scripture. Well, let me get it from the scroll of Isaiah, right? This guy showed up, but not too long ago. Were you not there in the temple when he read it? This is me. Now my eyes are open. No, he didn't go there. He said, listen, I don't know. I was blind. I can see. That's all I had to hold on to in the beginning. I knew that I woke up one day and I was a drug addict and a drunk yesterday and today I'm free, right? That's all I knew. That's all I had to stand on. And this is all the man had, all the man had. And I love it. And he said, then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. Like that's an insult. The dude's like, yeah, I am. Like I'll follow that guy to the end. God should get the glory. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. He says this, I love this. Why? That's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is, he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of somebody born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. And what I learned, love about this is sharing the truth reaffirms our faith. It's interesting that the guy started off, listen, I don't know if he's a sinner, I don't know who he is, but as he's pressed to share his story, he comes to the truth. This man's from God. This man's from God. Early on, there were things I questioned. Maybe, maybe I conquered addiction on my own. Maybe I learned to be a loving father on my own. But the more I share my story, the more I'm reminded of the brokenness I had, the more I go back to the beginning, the more I'm reminded not of my shame and my guilt, but the goodness of my father, right? It reaffirms those things. Lest I get distracted and think I accomplished something on my own, right? That's why we share. It reaffirms those things, solidifies them inside of us so that the enemy can't come in and say, you did that on your own. There's no need to walk that narrow road. Get distracted. Stop going to church. Stop leaning into life groups. Stop reading your Bible. Stop worshiping. You did all that. That was all for show. 
But the more we share the truth, the more it's reaffirmed, the more our faith is reaffirmed. And we share the truth because sharing the truth reaffirms our faith. It's so easy to forget what God's done. And the hustle, the bustle, the busyness of life, to lose sight of the miracles, the miracles. And there's so many in this room. So many, over, over 200 people in here tonight. It's 200 miracles, right, that God's done. And we share the truth lest we forget how good God is. And a lion still and conniving enemy swoops in and makes you think that you accomplished something without his good grace, without his love, his mercy, and his forgiveness. I want us to do this tonight. Um, I, I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to, I want you to think back to those moments, right? It's, I get, I mean, you guys work today. Your kids were probably a terror on your way here. You might have thrown a McDonald's cheeseburger at one of them or something like that, right? And, and we just lose sight of God. But I want you to, to be reminded, Lord, of what he's done. Just take a moment, spend a moment with God and, and ask him to remind you of, of those moments his hand was on your life where he guided you and directed you and delivered you to bring you here tonight. God, thank you. Thank you for the moment here tonight where we can be reminded of, of just truth. Lord, that even in moments like this, this, this basic necessity of the good news, God, thank you for moments of remembrance. The beginning where you first called us, where you first impacted our lives where you first lifted us up, God, where we'd come humbly and, and broken to you without an agenda, just seeking a savior. And Lord, I just pray that that moment that you've placed on the hearts and the minds of those here tonight, God, that, God, it would, that it would take root, that it would take hold, that, that we wouldn't be indifferent to it anymore, that we wouldn't be embarrassed of where we've come from, of what God's delivered us from, but instead, God, that we would have a boldness to proclaim the miracles. And when people ask us what happened, <laughs> how did you get here? We would say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about my deliverance. Let me tell you my story. And God, I thank you for each and every story that's represented here tonight. I thank you for the beauty of the gospel, the good news, Lord. I thank you for allowing us to encounter it and for, for using it to transform us and to save us. We thank you for all of that. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. James 1, 22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. 
you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And because of that, we always want to end with some action steps for you guys. Number one tonight is pray for God to give you opportunity and entrance in the lives of you, those around you. And I put the end entrance on there because I'm going to be real transparent with you. Getting on a table like at Pizza Hut shouting at people about Jesus probably isn't going to win you any friends or bring anybody to church with you, all right? So we want to have that relationship, right? We want, we want to leverage what God's given us, our spheres of influence. So opportunities and entrance. Number two, have your personal story solidified and prepared to share. Have a testimony. Know what it is. Know your reasons, right? That you trust God, that you love him, that you follow him. And number three, begin to make sharing your story and the truth a priority. Think about all those moments, all those opportunities where we pull away. Maybe we're shy. Maybe we're embarrassed. Maybe we're just tired. Like, I'd really like to talk to them, but... I want to go home, right? It could be that simple. How different would things be if, if we didn't pass up those, those moments, those gifts from God to share the truth with somebody around us? And number four, invite people to church and to recovery. Right? Invite people. Share your story. Share what he's done. Encourage him to come along to see, right? It's a go and tell so people will come and see, right? We want to draw them in, not to a building, but to a relationship with Jesus. And that's my agenda here tonight. If you're in here and you haven't ever done that, again, I don't know where you're at in your, your walk, your story, but, but I know this, not a single day goes by that I regret making Jesus Lord of my life. And, and it's, it's, it changed everything. It's the reason I'm here tonight. And so I wanna encourage you that if that's you, if you've never made that decision, if you've never made that commitment, I want to encourage you to do so. And here in just a moment, we're going to have some people down here at the front. They would love to pray with you and for you. So you can, you can receive that gift from God. It's his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, salvation, and a changed story. And if you're in here and you've, you've done that, but, man, you went back, right? You were on the narrow road, but you're like, man, there's a party on the highway. And you just need to, to redirect if you need to recommit, same offer stands. Here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down here at the front. They would love to pray with you and for you so that you can, so you can try again, come back home, recommit, reconnect. And maybe you're in here and there's just something God's been pressing on you. He's saying that right there, you need to deal with that. You need to get it out of your life. It's standing in the way of what I wanna do. And you know, right, we, we get those God thoughts right, whatever you want to call it, that, that nudging inside of you, there's something you need to set down. Maybe it's a thought, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's an addiction, could be any number of things. It's between you and God, but you know what it is. If that's you here in just a moment, we want you to come pick up one of these white chips. It's a piece of plastic, but there's something significant about when we step out in faith. And that's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to step up in front of your peers, maybe in front of your spouse, maybe in front of your family, and acknowledge that there's something that you have. And when we have that humble heart, right? God, save me. God, deal with this. He honors that. He moves. And so if that's you tonight, don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Here in just a moment, come down here and get one of these chips. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. It could be something going on, any type of struggle. And you're just, you're seeking a miracle. This is a house of prayer. 
and we serve the God of miracles. So if you need prayer for anything, our same offer, I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to come down front, unashamed, unembarrassed, and just to receive prayer tonight. And so for any of those things, give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a chip, or just to receive prayer. I want to challenge you to step up and come down front. And if everybody would, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.